Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. I'm Pastor Doug Taylor, and I'm joined by Dr. Dave Vance, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. We have campuses in downtown Mansfield, on Park Avenue, in Shelby, and we have one at the prison. And uh, our tagline kind of is one church, many places. And we really love the fact that we get to reach more and teach more and lead people to the truth that transforms lives in North Central Ohio and around the world. The Deeper Study Podcast is designed to help you go deeper in God's Word and to grow deeper in life application. We're talking about Christmas. It's a Christmas season, and the series is Echoes of Hope. But before we get into the passage in Isaiah that I want to talk about, I've got a few questions for you. We have been anticipating your book. The, the idol called grace give us the latest on what's going on with this book yes so uh we we are we're we're at the we're in the red zone we we are in the red zone we're about ready to cross over the goal line here is that a football reference it is a football reference the red zone is is we're within the 20 yard line we're about ready to score uh the book cover has being finalized right now um you know the, the back page has been finalized already uh the interior is on the last edit um which means this will come back for one last look before it gets in the typesetting uh the team with the quit press and uh, outreach incorporated has done a fantastic job um and so i I, it's ready it's ready to roll so expect uh uh, in january probably by the end of january uh will be the release of my first book called the idol called grace i'm real excited about it um ready to be done (laughs) the process and uh and then dive into some new initiatives so no spoiler alerts for the cover but am i on the cover of the book um Doug, we, we did consider you on the cover of the book, and we decided not to go along <laughs> with you. The publisher said no. We figured we're, we know you are idolized by many, but we thought, no, we probably shouldn't do that. We don't want to make it a human idol, but it, it's a pretty cool cover. So, And uh, I think this little podcast got some national attention. You you were able to go on a, a really big podcast with the Unseminary podcast with Rich Birch. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, last week I got to tape the uh, the Unseminary podcast with Rich Birch. Got to uh, that will be launched uh, one Thursday coming up. They're going to let us know which Thursday uh, on a great topic. Talked about uh, how ministry. Uh, success is actually just as difficult as ministry struggles. And, you know, a lot of articles, a lot of information out there about how ministry difficulties, how do you deal with that? But what about when there's a good season that's happening? I know here at Crossroads, uh, we're in a good season. There's a lot of great things that are happening. And, 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 you know, you, you might be at a church or a church leader and there's some good things happening and, and those good things aren't easy to handle as well. Many, many people think, oh, well, if you have successes, it's easier, right? It, it flows and everything just goes well and every, everything's peachy keen. In fact, sometimes the successful times are more difficult than the struggles when people don't talk about that. So that was what I, I kind of focus on. A great time, um, a great podcast. I highly recommend it, the Unseminary Podcast, What the things you wish you learned in seminary. And uh, I always enjoy listening to that. And if someone wanted to hear that, how do, how do they listen to that podcast? Um, they can go look up Unseminary, Unseminary Podcast specifically. On iTunes. On iTunes. Tunes. You can look up Rich Birch. You can also uh, go, just go to the website okay. and you can stream right from there as well. If you look up Unseminary Podcast on the iTunes, uh, you, can, you can go right to it. It's pretty easy to find. Perfect. Um, this next question is going to lead into what we're talking about, but describe a time that you felt helpless and kind of how you responded to that. Yeah, you know, um, 
there's a lot of moments where I felt helpless. Uh, one of the one of the moments that really grips, really even now when I think about it, it grips my soul was uh, when our third son Jacob was born. Uh, we went to the went to the hospital and uh, and Allison was you know we're expecting the baby to be born and and uh, we get in there and they induce her. Uh, they give induce the labor uh, just to progress it a little bit faster. And and when they did, uh, just a few minutes later, the doctor comes in to uh, to check on her. And when the doctor checks on her, uh, the cord prolapses. And here to find out the cord had been wrapped around his neck and now the cord came out first. That's very dangerous. So literally the, the, the picture I have is a doctor jumping on the gurney on the bed, basically holding the baby in uh, in order to make sure the baby can get the right uh, nutrients from the cord and then ushering her back into the into the operating room to, to get the baby out. And I remember this helpless feeling. I mean, I was standing in a hallway while they usher my wife in. No explanation except we got to do surgery now. And I'm, I'm kind of left in the hallway like, what, what do I do? I mean, where do I turn? And I remember just praying, God, you know, protect my wife. I didn't know if my wife was dying. I didn't know if, you know, the baby was going to die. I had no clue. And, and there was... I don't know if I've ever felt a more helpless feeling like I could do absolutely nothing. There was nothing I could do to help. And so I stood out in this little hallway and eventually a doctor came out and said, hey, sir, everything's going to be all right. Here's what happened. And I was like, oh, OK, OK. And I heard the control and the confidence in the doctor and I knew everything was going to be OK. But for me, that was a moment where I, all I could do was pray. And I had no clue what was happening on the other side of this door. And wow. that was that was a helpless moment. My instinct would be to I want to barge in the door and I wanted to go in there and be like, I'm in, I'm in control. You know, I'm going to take care of this. And uh, and I had to trust these doctors to usher my wife into a room that I couldn't go back to. And uh, and the my baby, our baby that was uh, going to be delivered. Everything was fine. Um, obviously, uh, our third son, Jacob, was born and, and we're thankful everything was good. But in that moment, I was utterly helpless. I remember a time like that. I was sitting at home watching TV and I got a phone call and that uh, I was an athletic director in Virginia at the time and working at a church. And the um, phone call came in that the bus that the soccer team was on was in a crash with a Mack truck. So um, in that moment, just sitting there feeling helpless, they're, they're like, you know, 45 minutes away from, from my house and kids were life flighted to multiple different hospitals. The coach was somewhere else and, and trying to get a hold of parents, you know. So in that moment of just helplessness, like, what do I do first? Yeah. So I knew all the things that I wanted to do, but, but what order do you do that in? So that was that feeling of like just helplessness and, and uh, you know, where do I go? How do I help? And certainly I wanted to fix it. And at that moment, there was really nothing to do. You know, I got in the car and went to the, to the scene and then started making my rounds, you know, to the hospitals, visiting family, making sure everyone was alerted. And the, but there was really nothing to do in that moment, but just trust the Lord for the lives of the coach and these boys and it, just feel helpless. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but I want to try to fix it. And, and we're going to talk in a little bit. There's kind of three areas yeah. that, that, that you go to in your situation and hospital setting. Sometimes I'm trying to tell the doctors what to do. <laughs> yes. They turn to me and say, do you have a medical degree? And I said, no, but I like to make the decisions. <laughs> and that doesn't work. <clears throat> but let's talk about the, this echoes of hope. <clears throat> Isaiah is a pretty good prophet. He, yeah. he prophesies a lot and a lot about Jesus. So we're in this Isaiah 7, in those first 15 verses. Um, we feel hopeless. 
a lot. And um, why do you think that at Christmas time, why do you think we feel that way? A lot of people feel hopeless at Christmas. Yeah, you, you know, in fact, Christmas, I would say, exacerbates that feeling of hopelessness. Uh, one scholar uh, called it the uh, most of overt, stressful, overt anxiety season. Uh, of the year, it, it raises anxiety and hopelessness and helplessness. And, and the reason for that can be many. Uh, you know, here is a time that's supposed to be cheery and bright, right. uh, but then there's difficult family members and the death of a loved one and financial strains. And then some, they feel loneliness. And then uh, if I could add uh, a little bit of the music, it's a bit of depressing in many ways. You know, it's very soft and, and kind of low key. It's introspective. And, and so for many people, Christmas is a complete and utter chaos for many. There's a high level of stress uh, between the parties, the personalities, and the people. And and so you just kind of want to escape. In fact, the National Center for Health and Statistics find that more than half of all Americans suffer moderate to excessive stress in the weeks leading up to Christmas. And I would even say hopelessness can disguise itself in nostalgia. where We love the nostalgia, but really it's a feeling of hopelessness. Some of it, I ha- I wonder, Doug... If it has to do with the spiritual focus of Christmas, does it bring people that may not be as spiritual to the point of having to think about spiritual things? So the beauty of it could be that we're reflective about where our soul is in spiritual terms. Uh, we're trying to figure out our soul. And so I wonder if that raises the anxiety of those maybe that man, things just aren't right right now, or things just aren't going well, or there's something missing. And it makes us ponder where we're at with God. And that can be a good thing, but it can certainly lead to a hopeless, helpless feeling if you don't know where to turn. Yeah. As we look at Isaiah in this chapter seven, uh, describe for us the hopelessness that Isaiah is feeling here. Yeah, this is a really interesting passage. Um, Isaiah is like you said, one of the most well-known prophets. He quote, he's quoted in the New Testament more than anyone else besides the Psalms. In fact, Jesus chose Isaiah to preach his first message out of. And what's happening in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah comes on the scene in what I would consider to be a very volatile time. And what's happening is uh, there is the empire of Syria who has control of the entire world. And there are these little kingdoms under it. And the kingdom of Syria and Israel, which is the northern kingdom, is coming against Judah, the southern kingdom. So Isaiah goes to King Ahaz, who is the king of the southern kingdom, to encourage him with, uh, with what God can do in this moment. And so uh, Judah, Ahaz, the king, feels a bit of, they're, they're, they're being squeezed in. There's a hopeless moment here because they're being attacked by the northern kingdom of Israel and Syria. And, and this is pressing into him and he doesn't know what to do. And, and that's where we find the story of chapter 7 is Ahaz, the king of Judah, is stuck. And Isaiah comes to him to uh, encourage him and exhort him in this time of hopelessness. Yeah. And how do we, 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 we've been talking about three ways that we as humans respond to hopelessness. Explain those three ways to us briefly. Yeah, and there are probably more than three ways. Yeah. These, these are kind of my summary is most of us, our default mechanisms are, are really seen in three ways. First of all, for some, we freeze. Uh, we, we have this feelingless feeling. We feel numb. And slowly we try to do some things, but it just doesn't seem to work. We try to pray. We try to read the Bible. We try to, to gather with some friends, and we just don't feel it. 
And so for some of us, there's this, we feel frozen. And, and so for some, you just try to sleep it off. You take a nap or others, it's an addiction or a habit that you turn to, uh, for others, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to go grab a Twinkie and I'm going to eat my way out of it. You know, we call it comfort food. Um, and what it's meant really? to be, we, <laughs> we call it comfort food and it's meant to escape reality. That's the frozen for some it's, they don't freeze, they fade. And I use this intentionally because we as Christians don't believe we run from God because you can't escape God, but we, right. we fade, we fade from God. And so we begin to fade from church. We fade from Bible study. We fade from prayer. Uh, we end up getting busy or we begin complaining and in, in the fade stage, we begin to complain about our lot in life or we get busy just trying to, trying to distract ourselves. And then the last one is we try to fix. This is my default. This is probably your default is we just try to fix the problem. And uh, we think that I can bring the answer and solution to a problem that I didn't cause or create, or maybe I did. And I'm in a situation I can't escape from. And so I try to fix my way to try to dig the hole uh, to get out of this cave that I feel that I'm in. And that's probably the default for many people. And that is, that is Ahaz's. Yeah. That, which I was going to ask you, which one of these did he do? Yeah. He tried to fix it. And, and we find in uh, chapter seven, verse two, that they're shaken. It says they're shaken like a tree in the wind. And, and then in chapter three, we get a hint that he's really reinforcing his water ducks because um, we find in second Kings chapter 17 that a little hint to this that actually Ahaz is trying to conspire with the uh, with with Assyria with the bigger empire and so he's trying to conspire to fix this by engaging uh, with the the bigger empire coming against the other two little kingdoms and so he's trying to make this a political move instead of trusting God in this moment and uh, God offers um this king is a, a sign, but he rejects it. So I know that says something about his character, but but tell us what the sign event God eventually does give a sign. Tell us about that sign God does do, even though he's like, no, I don't need your sign. I'm good. Yeah. But God does give a sign. What is it? Yeah. And, and, you know, Ahaz is in a hopeless situation. So God understands that hope needs a bigger object. If we're going to hope, we need a bigger object than the circumstances. So God gives a sign. And the sign is to Ahaz, uh, in, and we find this beautiful verse many of us have heard of before. It says, therefore, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive a bare son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which, which means the strong God is with us or God is with us. And that's the sign that God provides. There will be a virgin who will give a birth uh, to a child and his name will be Emmanuel. God will be with you. So he says, here's your hope. Here's the sign. Lift your head, Ahaz. Here's the answer. Yeah. And the practical implication to us is not only is God with us, but now in the New Testament, God is in us. Yes. For those of you that are believers, the Holy Spirit lives inside us, and that changes the way we look at hopelessness. Yes. So 730 years after this, Matthew attributes this text in Matthew chapter 1 to Jesus and says, this is the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. For us today, of course, Christ died on a cross, rose again, ascended to heaven, and, it's, and then he promised that he would send what he called the helper. And in Colossians chapter 1, we find this beautiful writing where it says uh, in Colossians 1, 27, that God may know this mystery. And what is it? Christ in you, the hope 
of glory. So for us, our hope should rise because we know whatever situation, there is the promise of glory. And I, I just want to kind of define hope in this way as we end. John Maxwell writes on, on a, a little poem called Think on These Things. He says, hope shines brightest when the hour is darkest, darkest. Hope motivates when discouragement comes. Hope energizes when the body is tired. Hope sweetens while bitterness bites. Hope sings when all melodies are gone. Hope believes when evidence is eliminated. Hope listens for answers when no one is talking. Hope climbs over obstacles when no one is helping. Hope smiles confidently when no one is laughing. Hope reaches for answers when no one is asking. Hope presses toward victory when no one, no one is encouraging. And then hope brings the victory when no one is winning. Uh, that's our hope. It, it sure is. Pastor Dave, if people are listening or watching and they know friends of theirs that, that are hopeless at the Christmas season, is inviting them to one of our Christmas services a good thing? Yes, it's an absolutely good thing. In fact, our Christmas services are catered around this idea. It's called Lift Up Your Eyes. It's an opportunity to hear uh, an up, upbeat, uplifting message and hear some stories about people that have walked through some difficult things and how Christ is our hope. Christ is the solution in our hopeless and helpless situations. We'd love to invite you on December 21st through the 24th every evening, December 21st at 7, December 22nd at 7 p.m., December 23rd at 5 and 7 p.m. and December 24th, Christmas Eve at 5 and 7 p.m. Six opportunities uh, to hear our Christmas at Crossroads services. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic time. Great message, great music, uh, great time together. Some great stories that we're going to share. Thanks. It's our hope and prayer that if you're going through difficult moments during this Christmas season, that you will know and understand that Christ is with you and Christ is in you. God bless.